You're listening to the New City Church Sermon Podcast. We exist to love God, to love our neighbors, and to make known the good news of Jesus Christ. To this end, we seek to cultivate a spirit-filled, gospel-centered community that multiplies disciples of Jesus and churches for the glory of God, the joy of all people, and the good of the city. If you'd like to learn more about New City, including service times, discipleship pathways, and opportunities to serve and fellowship with us, please visit us online at newcitykc.org. Jim, and if you didn't hear, I'm, a, I'm one of the pastors at the Fountain Church in downtown Kansas City, so it's an honor to be here with you. Ryan definitely is preaching right now. Uh, Pastor Ryan is preaching right now at the Fountain, and so how cool is it that we get to partner uh, in such a beautiful thing to see gospel mission carried out and to see uh, kingdom growth happen. So let me pray for us before we dive in. So Father, I come to you now, a needy man. I come, God, uh, bringing nothing good uh, but you and your word. God, I come and I ask, Father, would you speak uh, to your sons and your daughters today? Father, would you use me uh, and your word to transform us today? Father, would you convict us of the ways that we have chosen uh, to, to strive and not to rest? Uh, that we would uh, fear and, and be terrified and tremble uh, at the world and the things of this world. God, thank you that uh, you are good and a loving God taking care of us and uh, carrying us when we're rolling on the ground. <laughs> God, you are so wonderful and a good shepherd and a good friend towards us. And so would we see that today, believe that, and actually would you send us out of here by the power of your spirit to share this good news that there is a good friend and a good shepherd in Jesus with all those we come in contact with. So God, we love you. Uh, thank you for loving us first. Uh, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Now, believe it or not, I wasn't always a pastor, um, and I didn't always follow Jesus. Uh, I was about 25 years old. I was working in construction management at the time. We were building, um, I was a project engineer for a local firm, and we did commercial projects. I was, we were rebuilding uh, Cleveland Chiropractic. Does anybody go to the chiropractor? Uh, if you have, your, your chiropractor's probably been trained at Cleveland Chiropractic. Uh, anyways, and so we were rebuilding this building downtown or uh, out in Kansas. And it's coming to the end of the project. And so if you don't know anything about construction, the end of the project is the worst time. Uh, there's punch lists. So like the owner has a million things that they want done. And then you have contractors. I'm the project manager. I'm in between the two. And then you have contractors who want more money to do more things. And they weren't paid for more time that they spent on the job and all these things. Uh, so there was a maintenance guy, the head maintenance guy at Cleveland Chiropractic. And we became really good friends. And towards the end of the project, uh, it's the end of the day, a long day. Uh, we're exhausted. I walk into his office and just collapse in his chair. And on the desk, uh, on his desk, the Bible's opened. It's open to Psalm 23. And it's highlighted and underlined. The, the margins are all written in. Like you can tell his Bible was worn out right here. And he starts to ju jump into business. And I, I wasn't a Christian at the time. The Lord was starting to draw me to him. I, I had started to visit a church, hearing the gospel, hearing about Jesus. And, um, and I said, hold on a second. Don't just jump into business. What, what is this? What is this Bible? What, are you, what is going on here? And he paused and took like a deep breath. 
And he looked at me with complete, like, a deep seriousness about him. It kind of scared me, but there was joy in his eyes. And he said, when you know Jesus, this psalm is more than just, like, the most famous psalm that you've heard about. He's like, when you know Jesus, this psalm becomes hope and darkness. Like, it becomes joy and grieving. It becomes comfort in, in the most worst suffering you could ever walk through. And then, like, without skipping a beat, he jumps into business. And I, I didn't get to ask any other questions. Like, we're, we're closing the day. And that interaction for the next six months haunted me. It haunted me. I was like, this dude actually thinks he knows Jesus. And, and like what prompted and came out of my heart was I wonder if I can know Jesus like this guy does. And what would that even mean if I can know Jesus? Because apparently it's radically transformed this guy's life. Now in Psalm 23, David looks at us with a joyful seriousness in his eyes and he sings. The Lord is my shepherd. And then he says, let me tell you what that means for you. Let me tell you what it means for the Lord to be your shepherd. Here at New City, you guys have been walking through a sermon series called Jesus on Every Page. And you guys are following the Jesus Storybook Bible, which I love. Like I have little kids. I have four kids, four and under. And I've read through this thing many times. And I'm going to tell you like a sermon uh, a pastor confession real quick because I'm not at my church. Anytime I preach a passage and I remember it's in the Jesus Storybook Bible, you bet I'm using this as a resource, right? I'm not quoting it like, hey, the Jesus Storybook Bible said this, um, but I'm running to it. And I'm like, man, what does this say? Because like this childlike faith, it's so beautiful. Um, so the Psalms, they really are, they're one of my favorites, right? They lead us. To, to, to magnify the Lord, to worship Him. And, and they meet us in every stage of our life. So for this particular psalm or song, uh, my big idea, the focus of this sermon is that Jesus is our good shepherd and gracious friend. Jesus is our good shepherd and gracious friend. So I've got three different lenses that we'll put on to look at this psalm. So first, uh, a royal lens, a pastoral lens, and a missional lens, royal, pastoral, missional. So like RPM, right? RPM, royal, pastoral, missional. My hope is like this psalm is gonna get like into your heart, like into your mind, and it's gonna like rev you up so it'll be out in your hands like when you leave this place. Um, so the first point today, this song, this song is a royal one. It's royal. Now what does this psalm mean for David? What's this psalm mean for David? So crack open your Bibles. Uh, I'm in the ESV. Bust out your phones. Verse 1, it's simple. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now you guys know King David, he's a shepherd boy made a king. And he is the one speaking these words. And that's why we ask, what does this psalm mean for David? But I think there's a better question for us to ask. How does this psalm fit into redemptive history? Like, how does it fit into redemptive history? And, and why would we ask that is because 
this psalm is bigger than David. This psalm is bigger than David. And it's bigger than what this psalm means for you. Like, this is a royal psalm. It testifies about how God is the royal shepherd who cares for his people. God is the royal shepherd who cares for you. How do we know that? If you'll look at your Jesus Storybook Bible, if you guys would pull those out, please. And if you look at the top of the Jesus Storybook Bible, it's going to point you to 2 Samuel 7. And in 2 Samuel 7, you don't have to, you don't have to turn there. I'll give you the gist. It's pretty simple. In 2 Samuel 7, David's made it. He's not a shepherd anymore. He's a king. He's gone from shepherding sheep to, to being a king and shepherding God's people. He's driven out some of the enemies, and there's peace in the land. He's living fat in this king's palace. And he looks around, and he's like, God's blessed me. I'm a blessed man. And now I want to bless God. I need to return the favor. I'm going to build God a house. And the prophet Nathan, he's like, Psh, go do all that's in your heart, David. Go do all that's in your heart. But God is doing something so much bigger than turning David into a, uh, from a shepherd into a king. And so where we look at David and say like, oh, wow, look how great David is. Like, I want to be like David. God is doing something so much bigger. See, God doesn't approve David's plan. He, at that night, Nathan has a dream, yada, yada, yada. And he says, David, I'm sorry. I don't approve your plan. You're not going to build me a house. Instead, I'm going to establish your family eternally. And I'm going to do this by raising a king. And I'm going to establish his kingdom. And his kingdom is going to reign forever. And I will be to him like a father. And he shall be to me like a son. So right here in 2 Samuel 7 is this messianic promise. God is going to do something so much greater than making an earthly shepherd made king. He, how can God establish an eternal kingdom? Well, he's going to send a greater and eternal uh, shepherd made king, Jesus Christ. See, this is a royal psalm testifying about how God is the royal or shepherd king who cares for his people. And David sings, when he sings, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, David's proclaiming, I have enough because I have God, and God is enough. Jesus would come and he would say in, in John 10, uh, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, Jesus is the awaited good shepherd for God's people. And get this, the basis for all the blessings that David sings about in Psalm 23 hinges on one thing, the atonement. It hinges on Jesus, who's the good shepherd, who's going to lay down his life for the sheep, the people of God. You see, Jesus, the royal son of God, the second person in the Trinity, in the form of God, emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. You see, Jesus died on the cross to save God's people from their guilt, sin, and death. Three days later, Jesus 
conquered the grave, rose from the dead, and granted eternal life to all who trust in him as Savior. Jesus is the royal shepherd who knows us and we can know him, John 10, 14. Now, every morning when I get up, I have to get up very early to spend time with God because I have four kids, four and under. So I get up in the morning and before my daughter is allowed out of her room, before the time happens, every morning without fail, she runs to me and I'm on the couch reading my Bible and she snuggles up to me. And I let her because it's awesome to get little snuggles from a four-year-old girl. And so she sits on my lap and she's wrapped in my arms and I have the word of God here. And in this moment, for a split second, before I send my daughter back to her room, she's at rest. She's in her father's arms. She's at peace by my heart before God's word. This is who we are in God's presence. When this is the, our, our eternal reality in Christ, that we get to rest in the Father's presence, being with the Word. When we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, we are aligning ourselves with God's redemptive plan to rescue us from the penalty of our sin, to, to rescue us and deliver us from death. We are stating our belief in the atoning work of Christ on the cross. We say the Lord is my shepherd. We're, we are singing of the blessedness of knowing Jesus and that Jesus intimately knows us, that we are his sheep. We are celebrating that we lack nothing because in Christ, we have everything. We, we have no want in Christ. If you are here and you are not yet a Christian, you can know this beloved royal shepherd, Jesus Christ. Jesus would say to you in this moment, repent, believe, and follow me. Will you not wait like I did six months later to choose Jesus after hearing about this good shepherd, Jesus? Would you just say yes to Jesus today? You can have this good shepherd as yours, this beloved Savior and friend Jesus by simple faith in Christ as your Savior. Jesus really is our good shepherd and gracious friend. Now, second, I would love for us to ask, what does this psalm mean for us? See, this song is pastoral, and what I mean is that there are many implications for Jesus to be our royal shepherd king. As the shepherd guides, protects, and tends to the sheep, this psalm is meant to guide you, to comfort you, encourage you, and bless you as you follow Jesus. In Jesus, we receive rest, comfort, triumph, uh, and glory. That's what it is to follow Christ. So read verse one, one through three uh, with me, and we're going to kind of chop this out and apply it to us. What does it look like for us to have Jesus as our shepherd? So verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, you guys remember when COVID started like years ago? So a couple years into COVID, uh, my wife was pregnant with twins. The world was insane and our house was insane for sure. So it was a couple months into COVID and we were going stir crazy. And one of our family members owned some land up by Smithville Lake. So I packed everybody into the van and we took off to Smithville Lake. And so it's like 20 acres, uh, beautiful uh, uh, scenery. And from their property, you can like see Smithville Lake. So we just walked around in the grass. We let our kid run around because uh, we only had one kid at that time. We were semi-sane. That was cool. Um, and so our little daughter's just running around and we're just like touching the grass as we walk through. Uh, the fields, and just spent a couple hours out there, the wind's blowing, the sun shining, like just peace. It was beautiful. And there's a moment I sat down on a hilltop and just kind of watched uh, the winds blowing through the tall grass. And you know how like the waves move on the ocean, like that happens in the grass when the waves move. It was really, it was serene. It was beautiful. And um, this was a grace of rest for our family in the crazy, crazy early COVID times. And this is the picture that David's painting. Like it's this beautiful picture of salvation that Jesus grants us through the atoning work on the cross. See, the beauty of the green pastures in the peaceful place of sitting by still waters. This is salvation in Christ. Like if, if Jesus is our shepherd, our souls are graced with rest. See, we find if, if Jesus is our shepherd, we find rest for our souls. We lack nothing in Christ. See, if God has supplied our greatest need in Jesus, will we lack any of our smallest need? No, right? If God will guide us to the, he's gonna guide us to the right places at the right time to ensure that we have everything we need. Verse three, it, it's, it's simple to find your rest for your souls, find rest for your souls. When we say the Lord is my shepherd, it's knowing and trusting Jesus in which our very souls are restored and find their eternal rest. As sheep, we can rest knowing that throughout our life's journey, uh, our very steps will be divinely directed upon the narrow path of trusting and obeying God, which leads us to life. And God does all of these gracious things, it says, uh, for his name's sake. So God has redeemed you. Christ has died on the cross, rose from the dead, atoned your sins to bring rest to your souls, to provide every need that you ever have, to allow you to, to lead you in a path of righteousness, all for his glory, for his name's sake. How great is this? Now, read verse four with me. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
Now, there's something of great value for us to learn and to take heart right here in verse 4. The same God, the same God who brings salvation to your souls, allowing you to find rest, blessing you in Christ, is the same God, the same God that allows us to walk through the darkest of valleys. The same God. And so if our all-powerful, all-wise, infinitely good and gracious God who has saved your souls and has also ordained your suffering, he can redeem it for your good, right? And so it's, it's good for us to know that, yes, I have found rest in Christ Yes, he leads me near still waters and he makes me lie down in calm pastures. And yet that same God is going to allow me to walk through the darkest of valleys. If Jesus, and this is good news, because if Jesus, our shepherd, would do such a thing, he's going to grace us with comfort in our suffering. And our comfort comes in the refuge of God's presence. See, our comfort is not finding the solution. I don't know about you, but when troubling times come, I'm the quickest to get out a pen and paper and stay up late at night and trying to figure out the solution to the problem. Because if I can just find out the solution, then maybe I can like chill out and, and find some comfort in this suffering. But that's not where you're going to find comfort not in the solution, and you're not going to find comfort uh, when your situation is resolved. That's not when you're going to find comfort. Your comfort comes in the refuge of God's presence. This is how God made it. See, uh, we, when we fear, and fear is like my main problem. I don't know if that's you in the room, but fear is like my MO, like that's me. And when I fear, what am I to do? I have to draw near to God. That is where I'm going to find my comfort. Even in the darkest of valleys, surrounded by enemies, when all is going astray, when I don't have the answers, where is my refuge? It's in the presence of God. And as our good shepherd walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death, there are two things that give us comfort. God will use his rod to protect you from your enemies. So the shepherd, this is what he would have. Enemies come after the sheep. Wolves would come after the sheep. And he's going to use his rod to beat off the enemies, to strike them down. But he also uses this staff. God will protect you from your enemies, but God will use his staff to protect you from yourself. See, God is going to protect you from your fear. God is going to protect you from your doubts, from the stumbling in your sin, the, the inability to continue. When you have sleepless nights and you say, I can go no further in this situation. There's no way I can be a good dad today. There's no way that I can walk into the office with all of this stuff going on. God's going to even protect you from yourself. The good shepherd will prod and correct, and if needed, throw you upon his shoulders to carry you home. 
this is your good shepherd. He's going to protect you from your enemies, and he's going to protect you from yourself. Now, we see a change in the psalm where our shepherd becomes our friend. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. I don't know about you, but wouldn't you throw like a fat party, a big steak dinner with a cup that overflows once you're victorious? Like once everything's going good, that's when we want to throw a party? In Christ, we have something richer. See, David trusts God not just when others peace in his kingdom, but when he's pressed by his enemies. He's trusting God. See, Jesus intimately invites us to feast with him at a well-set table, anointing us with festive oil, a brimming cup in the midst of a battle. He doesn't throw the party at the end. He says, man, everything is going wrong. I have a, a feast awaiting you right now. It is often in the darkest valleys in the most trying times that draw us closest to Jesus, is it not? When all is the worst and you have nothing to stand upon, when you're crumbling and you have no hope, it seems, when it is so dark and at night you're tossing and turning, that's when we stumble and fall before the Lord. And we cry out, God, have mercy. God, please help me. That's when we go to his word and we search diligently. God, I can't remember your promises. What are your promises, oh God? And then he picks us up and stands us up again and says, it's going to be okay. Even right now in this moment, I have a feast prepared for you. Surrounded by your enemies, you can eat with me. If Jesus is our shepherd, we're graced with a friend. And it's a friend who invites us to sit at his table. And this Jesus, our king, the royal king, promises triumph. Triumph in the midst of the battle. Now read verse 6 with me. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. At this point in the song, it's as if David is looking back at his life and he sees all the craziness that has ensued. Right? You, do you guys know David's story? All the crazy things that happened. Like where he's fighting lions and Goliath. And King Saul, he's singing songs for him, and then all of a sudden, like, a spear comes flying by his head, and he's chased by Saul trying to be killed. His own sons are trying to kill him. Like, because of his own sin, and he murders someone, like, he loses a son. Even during the worst of the worst, in the midst of the darkest of valleys, this David can sing God's goodness 
and steadfast love has pursued me the entire time. The world couldn't take it away from David. David's enemies couldn't steal it from him. David himself could not out-sin or escape God's goodness and love for him. God's goodness and steadfast love pursued him every day. He couldn't outrun it. And the one thing David wants in life has been and will be his reality forever. Psalm 27.4 has been my jam recently, and it captures David's sole goal in life. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And listen to this, to gaze to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David, more than anything else, as king, all the riches in the world, David wants to know God, be with God, gaze upon the beauty of God. Like, this is the culmination of the Christian walk. Like, why am I even doing this? Because one day, Christian, you're going to look and see Jesus face to face. This is the beatific vision. (laughs) Thank you. I'm learning new words. This is it as a Christian. This is the end goal. And on this journey, the darkest of valleys that you experience, the worst of worst, you can't outrun God's goodness and his steadfast love. And nothing can take it away from you. And it's guaranteed at the end of your days, either either Christ comes back or you die and you're risen from the dead, that you'll see Christ face to face. Oh, that's it. You have a good shepherd and a gracious friend and nothing can change that. Oh, can I get an amen, you know? If Jesus is our friend, we will, we will, (laughs) we will gaze upon the face of God in glory. Oh, (laughs) I want to dance right now. I mean, but this is the wrong church to do it, right? There's so much for us to take home here for real, inwardly. Like, do you need rest for your soul? I do. Do you need comfort in your suffering? Do you need to cling to the promise of victory in the midst of the battle and your enemies surrounding you? Do you long, like long for glory? Like when will this suffering and this hardship end? Oh God, (laughs) you have a good shepherd and a gracious friend in Christ. Oh, I have good news for you. Jesus is the royal shepherd king where all of these things are satisfied and you shall not want for anything. As a shepherd guides and protects and tends the sheep, Jesus can meet you exactly where you are. And this is the good news of Jesus Christ. 
See, Jesus is our true good shepherd and gracious friend. <clears throat> now, I really want us to take this psalm outward. So third, this song is missional. Um, I think I saw some article recently of like, God doesn't need you to sing, but your neighbor does, something like that. Um, and it, it, the point of it is like when you sing about the glory of God and you worship him, one of the biggest blessings you're doing is, is benefiting the person next to you. The person doubting and struggling and, and wondering if it's true. Like you're proclaiming truth and worshiping God and all the world sees it. So what does this song mean for others? Because this song is missional. Think about what the world sees when you live out the reality that Jesus is your good shepherd and gracious friend. When you walk around in the world, in the workplace, and you have rest in your soul, when people know, hey man, your son's been in the hospital for like the last three months, and yet you're not crawled up in bed like dying, like you're somehow functioning in society and giving your life away for others, like what? You have joy in the midst of suffering? Like everything is going wrong, and yet somehow you're continuing on. You have hope in the midst of despair and darkness? Like what, what a proclamation of the hope that doesn't exist in this world apart from God. See, everyone needs a shepherd. Everyone needs someone to lead and guide them. One of my friends uh, here in Kansas City, he's a lawyer. He's a really good lawyer. He's very successful. He's not a Christian. And um, he recently had a midlife crisis. I've been talking with him. And a uh, very high-stress job. He's overwhelmed with work. And he's like, man, I don't want to do this the rest of my days. Like, I don't enjoy this. And so he, um, what did he do? He got a life coach. He got a life coach. Nothing against life coaches. If you're a life coach in here, cool. Good for you. You can charge people a abundant amount of money <laughs> to coach them in life. Cool. Nothing about that. Nothing wrong with that. But they're cheering him on in life, right? They're helping him get out of his own head. Hey, you're just living one day at a time, buddy. You know, like... Um, and he, and he reported back, I'm doing so good right now. What my friend doesn't need is a life coach. He doesn't need someone like to coach him here in the short term, the temporal things of life, helping him with earthly problems. That's not what he needs. He needs Jesus, who is life itself. He needs Jesus, the good shepherd, who can coach him and guide him and lead through these problems, right? who points to an eternal hope of salvation. Even if my buddy enjoys work the next 20 years and he has a great time doing it, what does that lead him with a fat bank account and no hope of glory? What does that lead him where he has no rest in his soul? Nowhere. God has put all kinds of people in your path just like me when I was 25 years old and, and I had this question surfacing, can I really know that Jesus? There are all kinds of people in your path asking that same question. Church family, my hope today 
is that you truly experience Jesus as your true shepherd king, that you have rest for your soul, that you find comfort, that you have hope of glory. But my real hope is that it becomes so real to you that you would live, you wouldn't live one day without sharing this good news without, without other people, without sharing this good news with other people. So New City Church, the fount, man, we're gospel-centered churches. We exist to bring glory to God. We want to see disciples made. We want to see people saved. We want to see missionaries sent out, right? We want to see churches planted. Like we want to see all this stuff that we pray about and talk about. If we're to do this, if we're to see kingdom growth, we all have to live on gospel mission collectively, together, individually. Like when we leave this space, Monday, tomorrow, you've got to live on gospel mission. That's your call. My challenge is for you this week to think of one person in your life that God has specifically put there. You know it. The Holy Spirit's been prompting you. You've been like, okay, Spirit, I'll talk. I'll do it soon. I'll, I'll do it. Just leave me alone. You've been tampering it down a little bit. Like, what is the one person in your workplace or your neighbor or your friend? It just takes that one step of faith to engage in that gospel conversation. Man, say their name. Like, write it down. Take a step of faith this week, right? What do you have to lose? You have the good shepherd guiding you and directing you. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak.